again christmas break new year's break uh happiness time with family uh all the joys of uh the the end of year holidays and uh then we get into the actual doldrums of winter and then all the uh horrors of cold but uh we are back again it's been a few weeks we took a few weeks off to you know recharge rest, do all those happy things that we like to do. And I hope everybody out there's holidays were good for them. Um, So we got uh, we got two two of our regulars back on tonight. And uh, I can't be happier to, uh, to bring them bring them back on with me. But uh, um, let's get us going here. Drico, are you are you out there tonight? Drico? Hey, how are we doing? Thanks for having me on again. What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. Yeah, you. Uh, how was your, your Christmas? Was good and everything went well. I had a great Christmas, um, and uh, as you know, I also I won a best ball tournament. Uh, you did you did? We're gonna get into that. We're gonna get into that. We're gonna get into that. Let's uh, I, you know, just get all the little formalities out of the uh, out of the way. But uh, well, yeah, you, I flew home you, for you Christmas. Had you had good holidays. You flew. You were back in Ireland for a little while, and had the pleasure to see you. And then it was, it's always good to to see, especially when you live so far away. And uh, and uh, you know, got yourself back in time, and now you're back to work. But everything went well, huh? Yeah. Um... I uh, I I basically I dodged COVID like uh, like the Matrix. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's very true, isn't it? It's very true, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I hadn't I hadn't seen my family in um in in about two and a half years. I hadn't seen you guys in about two and a half years too. Um, so it it was really really nice to be back. It it was the yeah. Uh, the Omni stuff with COVID and all that was kind of a bummer, but in in other ways it was also kind of nice uh, to spend uh, as to be able to spend as much time as we did with family after being away so long. So that was really nice. 
Gotcha, gotcha. So welcome back to the show. We're gonna we're gonna dive into uh, into lots of uh, football and sports. I, at least that's where I had it started uh, to go this evening. But we also have with us uh, in the studio the Ross back in town, man. Who's got who's got dealing with it right now? He's dealing with it with the Rona. How are you, man? Are you okay? My man John, What's the king up, of the man? jungle. Yeah, how's how's the, the Rona Lord of the litter box? <laughs> the feline phenom, the big cat himself, live and alive, right here from New York, New York. How are you? I'm doing good, man. How was the? Uh, I know that you have slightly different uh, uh, associations, unfortunately, being in, in your field of work, especially with these holidays. So there, there must have been a lot of it going on. But uh, hope you at least got to spend a little bit of time with the family and uh, and you know, like you like we said, you're, you're dealing a bit with the Rona, running through the family, like. Uh, like Hulk Hogan running wild, and so, so um, you know, every, like shit through a goose. Time together now. Like. We get some time together now. Well, I'll get, get, get you. I hope you had some time. I get you caught up. Uh, greetings, Collins. Very nice to be on with you, and look forward to spending some more quality time with you as well. <laughs> when referring to you affectionately as uh, Brian Cleary's kryptonite from now on. So, <laughs> um, looking forward to some times for sure. Uh, I'll get you caught up. Listen, you know, uh, holidays are busy for us, but we um, approach them with as much love uh, and family time as we can, and we do something special every week, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. We're very special and family-oriented, and uh, New Year's is always a challenge, but we did a phenomenal menu, which still at, at, at my advanced age and chef years at least, uh, most guys my age are either broken or in rehab or selling real estate. Um, uh, it still motivates me to get out there and, and do a good job. And New Year's Eve was a beautiful evening. That was good stuff. Uh, yeah, it is true. We uh, we got uh, we got Corona uh, COVID nineteen last week, and uh, all of us got it aggressively through the house. Uh, but thank God, uh, so far we're we're getting our way through this. And and uh, there are some ups and some downs, but um, I'm approaching it with positive vibes, man. And uh, I'm trying to make this. I can't. I can't. I, I haven't coined the phrase yet. It's not that it's not a strength of mine, but it's not a co-vacation. It's not a COVID vacation. It's got to be – it's got a coronacation. It's got to be something because I haven't had this much time off with my family, and it figures it's got to be something as, as you know un- – this is really unfortunate for a lot of people. We're blessed it hasn't been for us. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a tough thing. So all kidding aside, just glad to be – you know, up out of bed and sitting upright and have everybody feeling well. So, as usual, yeah, long absolutely. answer, but there I am. Here I am with you. No, absolutely. I mean, like it's, uh, and as you heard Dricko say there, uh, when he came back from my own, he, you know, played the, dodged the, dodged the virus like the Matrix. And it's true here. It seems like everywhere you turn, kind of here, um, somebody has it, somebody's gotten it. Half, you know, it's a, lot, a lot of people I know are getting it, but. I mean, I read, is, I read they say 50% of Europe will have it by the end of the month. Um, yeah, that's that. I mean, that's the talk. I think it's a lot different. Uh, well, now that I mean, the, the airports have basically are basically, you know, because they couldn't deal with, with the, uh, all this testing certs and different things from different countries and all this stuff. So that I mean, Ireland basically has opened it up and said, if you're vaccinated, you don't need um, to get a test the day before you come in. Um, so, yeah, I could see that definitely happening. But the one thing I could say about, um, which is 
uh, true about Ireland is that Ireland had 90, over 95% of its population, of the population of Ireland, voluntarily went for its full vaccination and are, are going for uh, going for the third, the booster. So that's and the other five percent. The other five percent went involuntarily. <laughs> well, no, we don't talk about I mean, those people. If you, want to, if, you want to know, if you want to know my opinion, if you've heard this podcast before, you want to know my opinion. Yes. But, but, um, but no, but that's fine, whatever. But I no, no, listen, I'll tell you. I, I know, I know, I know. This, this yeah, is your deal. But I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad I got it. I'm glad. I'm, I'm, I'm a boost. I'm a boosted guy. I got it on the 9th of December, <clears> and when I got sick. Um, I got to tell you, I'm very, I'm very glad it personally on a personal level, you know, I'm a big freedom guy. You do whatever the hell you want with your own body. But as far as I'm concerned, when I tested, the first thing that came to my mind was, I hope to God, this thing helps me through it. And, um, and I hope it was one of the reasons. And I hope it's, I hope people are motivated for, for no other reason other than that. But, you know, I got to tell you on the flip side of that, it, it, this, this vaccine thing, and I'm not getting, I'm not getting into this. I'm not going there, but I will say this much. This thing is passed and carried and given. There is such a fear here of unvaccinated. Oh, I don't hang out with my unvaccinated friends. Unvaccinated people shouldn't be allowed access to these places. Well, guess what? I was sick for three or four days before I tested positive. I'm triple vaxxed. I could have been walking around spreading this thing as a triple vaxxed person with all access to all areas just as easy as an unvaccinated person. So I don't know, and I could be right and wrong. I'm not saying that I am right. It's just purely observational. That how this thing is passed on to others, which is really where we carry the guilt of whether we get vaccinated or not. I don't care if you don't get vaccinated and something happens to you. That's your choice. But if you give it to someone ill and they get sick because of you, that I have a problem with that. But if that's not working, where do we stand with that? Where's where's the you know, where's that well, but, common but, ground? Is it that? is it binary but, like but, that though? Is but, it really but, binary, or is it you're less likely to pass it on to someone? You're less likely to get it and therefore pass it on. If you get vaccinated, no, where is your, you're much more no likely. No, like, it's not no like idea. it can't happen. It's more like your probabilities are much, are much better. Like you're, 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 you're much higher probability to get it and pass it on to someone. If you're not faxed, it's not that it can't happen the other way. It's just, it's about, it's like, it's not, I don't think it's like a, it's either one thing or it's not. It's like, there's a scale, but you're much higher in the, in the range of, of being likely to do it. To, to, to get there's it and pass it. There's certainly a gray area with this, with the entire thing with, um, and pardon the, with, with the research, with the data, with everything, there's a gray area. I mean, you talk to well, doctors you know, there, and pediatricians some, and there, there may be, there may be some gray areas, but some there aren't like overwhelmingly. Now, again, this thing could turn on a dime, but, <clears throat> but this country had zero ICU beds, zero in the entire country. There were zero ICU beds. And now there are more cases, double triple the amount of cases that we felt during the height of this thing and there are lots of icu beds still but not tons in a small country but the hospitals are not being overwhelmed yeah. with serious cases of covid and 95 i repeat my, my what i said in that 95 percent of the people voluntarily got themselves vaccinated so i repeat that there is data my opinion, seeing the data that I'm reading, that there is though quantifiable data that these vaccines are worth it. Quantifiable. I could see so that. I, I don't know where the gray thing. areas where the gray areas are long term effects. That's where the gray areas are. Well, I mean, you know, listen, if you get vaccinated, you're less likely to be hospitalized. You're less likely to be 
have you know to die. That's so, the whole point of the vaccine. That's the whole right. point but, of but, this but, vaccine but, was not to, was not supposed to kill this. This vaccine was supposed to do guess what? Exactly what it's doing to weaken it and weaken it and weaken it and weaken it and weaken it to the stage that it doesn't matter anymore. That's what this that vaccine was not meant to kill this. Then nobody even claimed that it was killing it. Nobody did. No, no, absolutely. Not. I, gonna, never, yes. never did I read anything like that. Absolutely. The data, the data is quantifiable, in my opinion. Again, like like you said, I, I in ninety five percent of my life, I, that's why I I would agree with you that whatever somebody wants to do, let them do it. Like whatever you want to do, just do it if you don't want to get this. But I I, I did I, I find and again, it's only about five percent here, so I have nothing to moan about where I live. But I find it odd that such a high percentage of people would not agree, have some sort of issue with the science being wrong and invalid. When we're seeing that the science is going, it's, it's act, we're actually having more quantitative data now with what's going on with these vaccines and more eyes on these vaccines than any other vaccines in the world. Yet people are saying this was too quick. This was too hard. You know, so th- that's like, take the vax. I hope you felt better. I'm glad. I love you, man. And I cannot wait to see you in in a few weeks. Can we change the subject? Because I have a question for you, Rossi. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I was wondering, I was, I was my, saying we're probably, we're probably right back on the subject. The same thing again, as everybody's talking. My about, question, so my question to you, Sorry. my question to you is you serve and you, we, we talk about, uh, um, uh, like food and you, 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 you it's, it's on this the show, man, you come on and, and you're a chef and you give us some, some great ideas. And, and I know that listeners listen to what you say and put it to good use to let you know, I get those notes. So how important is what is written on the menu to the, to, to the meal? Does that make sense on how a menu is written? In truth and menu or in in descriptive in descriptiveness and marketing in, in which way well, I want I guess I want to say yeah well I guess that's my question is I want to say like you know like I said like how important is it do you feel to the overall dining experience so I'm just gonna oh, I'm just okay. gonna leave, no, that, like you, that, you that's a broad you know that's a much, that make sense? that's a broad it's very broad. It's, 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 very it's broad, broad, but it's it's broad, but it's clear. And I'll get and I'll I'll, I'll kind of try to break it down into a couple different things. First and foremost, we have something called truth in menu. Um, some states, like the state of California, and I don't know as of right now what their lost states, but they have truth in menu laws. So if you say you're using something organic, you you need to be. If you're lying, you can be held liable for that. Not every state's like that. Other states, you can say whatever you want. Uh, for the most part, and get away with it unless you're called and somebody calls you on it, calls you out. Um, that's one thing. The truth of menu is very important. Local and all these terms people use, local, fresh, natural. A lot of these terms have no meaning whatsoever, when, and there's no FDA guideline whatsoever. Like all natural beef, it can mean it means nothing, and it holds no weight anywhere. There's no definition of all natural by the Food and Drug Administration. Uh, those things are very important. Um, just for your own uh, credibility as a restaurant, as a corporation, as a, a whomever you know, purveyor of of, of uh, you know f- of food for sale and such, you know, we, we we are always very careful of that. So we do our research, uh, knowing where your food comes from. Essentially, is that next uh, marketing? Um, you know, in years past, there are many there there. Are, I've I've worked in so many different genres of restaurants and 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 
done menus and written so many menus myself. Um, you know, you come to learn different tricks and different things. Some people are a different way, you know, different. Um, you know, years ago, it was very lengthy and very wordy. Originally, when I first got into chefing, the fine dining restaurants were in French, and that was the way to go. When you went to, you know, La Rue de l'Espoir on Hope Street in Providence, Rhode Island, they would have, you know, pâté de canard, de campagne. And it would be all, and it was eloquently written in French. And it, first of all, it intrigued the diner. It created questions table side so the waiter could engage the customer and explain to them what it was which is always a good thing when a server engages a customer or or vice versa and gives an explanation it's it's salesmanship and i could sell ice to an eskimo table side in a chef uniform to a couple that may never have had foie gras before um number one because i'm the chef in the restaurant and two i know what i'm talking about and i'm enthusiastic but uh, anytime you engage a diner, so sometimes menus are written in a way to be to create questions and engage the diner uh, or engage the server in, in salesmanship. Um, then later on, as things sort of progressed, we got to this sort of California cuisine ideas, the Jeremiah Tower, the Alice Waters, where it was a lot of this uh, locally raised foods where you give credit to like John's tomatoes and connor's <laughs> roadside eggplant and there was a lot of that because they wanted you to feel like food was gathered from right in the backyard from people right down the road they wanted to put you right in the microclimate that you were eating in make it feel very local that was a very big thing for a long time um the word local and farm to table and artisanal were words that came in the 90s and the early 2000s and now it's very passe you're beating a dead horse Restaurants that I want to be in and be a part of in the menus that I want to write, I want to have built and developed enough of a reputation that people understand that, that those things are being done at great cost, at great lengths to uh, whether it be monetarily or time-wise or research and, 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 and um, uh, uh, sourcing-wise to, to, to go do these things. You know, I still – I'd say to tell the story, I still stop by four or five places – in season to pick up local cheese and tomatoes and maybe some honey. And on the way, somebody might call me and say, just pick some fresh kohlrabi. You want it? And I pop over and I get kohlrabi. And then I go to work with these, these bags and, you know, of just brown bags of food. They don't come from the factory. And those are the things that people want to, you want to, that's the stuff you want to convey to the diner on the menu. And, the, you know, there are certain ways that you can do that. One, developing that reputation. Two, those colorful, uh, colorful <clears throat> descriptions of menu. Uh, but now it's even evolved somewhere farther where now it's – I feel like being a chef and doing what I do, and I prefer when I look at things, I don't even want to – before technique was a thing you wanted to see. Maybe like you know, uh, uh, eggplant ratatouille or, or, or whatever – a French term or um, you know, whatever it may be, you know, venison bolognese. There were terms tacked on to words that, in, uh, that sort of in, uh, insinuated a process – or a technique that was, uh, you know, the bolognese. Okay, we know bologna. That's a it's a it's a meat ragu. That's tomato product. There are certain things that it has to have. You know, these are things that lead us on as we read a menu and we understand what that means. You know, maybe mushroom volovin. Uh, volovin means it's cooked in a little pastry. So it sort of explains itself. Today, that's even that that's that's sort of vanished from menus today, and it's very cut and dry. Like you might see seared local black sea bass, maitake eggplant leeks and that's it 
<clears throat> and when you get it, the leeks might be pureed and the maitake mushrooms might be roasted. And, and you don't, they leave the technique out. So there's a little bit of mystery in the dish and the chef gets yeah. to show his work. And there's a little bit of a reveal on every dish, which I think is very exciting today because I think it's very long-winded. And I think a lot of that stuff now gets in the way. And I, I really, when you go to really good restaurants and go, go look at it like a really great, some of the great menus of the world, maybe outside of France because their traditions remain, but really in American restaurants, you'll see that it's shortened up very much. It's very cut and dry and very shortened up a list of ingredients instead of so much um, mentioning the techniques or colorful descriptions and crispy and sticky and all these words are just, they get in the way now. So um, that's the way of the menu and where the menu has gone and the evolution of menu writing. Jacob, does do, does do you when you read a menu? Do you think you get swayed? Could you possibly get swayed between uh, two or three options by what's by how it's written in the menu? Does that make sense? Right. Um, first of all, I think it's very funny that it's almost uh, the way that it's the the words have been pared down to like the the least amount of words they can use. That seems very kind of like Americanized and like how efficiently can we can we, can we put this all together um and i think that uh, it's it, it's it's a hard that's a that's a difficult question because like a lot of the time when they're trying to push you they're trying to persuade you and uh, when they're doing it well you don't know they're doing it uh i think that um probably i i'm probably a, a little bit unique in that like i'm like such a picky eater that like I could see something in it, I and uh, I I don't really like that, and and just get the other thing because it's, but like I rationally I know that a lot of the people are, are so good at cooking these different things that even though I think I don't like it, I could love it, uh, but that, that I still even knowing that more often than not I yeah uh, I just I pick the things that I like that don't have uh don't have uh, food ingredients like uh, let's say tomatoes or something like that that I might be a bit uh, uh, picky over. I got it. I got you. No, it makes perfect sense. Uh, so, Roz, when you have uh, when you have guys come in, I'm sure you get a million phone calls from different purveyors that want to come in and sell you stuff. You know what I mean? Like the 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 uh, the adjectives to explain how how different their their product is from the next guy in, in a lot of a lot of these guys, you know, is the, their selling point. You know what I mean? This is uh, this was this cattle, this the cattle for this milk was raised by hand in a in a in a soft fuzzy cloud for the first six months, thus allowing the 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 milk to ripen at a better you know, like like I'm sure that they all try to let get me you. tell you. Oh, I'm telling you, the, the, no, these these strawberries have been marinating in unicorn tears for six months. <laughs> you know, all those kind of stuff, absolutely. And it's a great, you know, it's a great point, Rico, too. It, when you say like, here's a great, this is a, this it answers it, it sort of it sort of books bookends the statement. When you're eating in restaurants and you're in a in a place at a certain level and a certain reputation, it is a given that what you're going to be given on the plate will be will match those expectations of your of the dining experience that you went for. So <clears throat> sure, efficiency. There may be some things, but there's actually also a little touch of ego in it. Like you are here in a place where we're going to tell you what's in these dishes, but you're going to sit back and how they arrive, you're going to eat them. 
So like mushroom puree. Trust us. In, in a way, you know, it's sort of and and, and in the in that environment, <clears throat> in that environment, it's it's very it's it's very much okay. But at the same time, you're absolutely right. Both of you are absolutely right. You could sell anything if you put the word crispy in front of it. Mark my <laughs> words. Mark my words. I bet I could get a waiter to sell you a crispy tomato, pal. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 seriously, you know, it's one of those words, you know, it's always sticky. That's right, why I use the those connotations. Two words. Those, those so are the words. True. It's those are the words. But as far as purveyors are concerned, I get a lot of that stuff. Um, I, I don't want to uh, – on a lot of subjects, and this is just, you know, since I have your ear and it's um, – you know, sometimes we all come off as a little brash or a little, you know, chefs are ego driven. If we're not, if we weren't, we weren't, we wouldn't be who we are. Um, wouldn't be but where you're at, of course. It's, every, it's, it's, but it's, it's like it's, an athlete. Like, like, it's like, it's well, like it's, it's, but you understand that, you know, we put ourselves and our work out. It's, it's a lot like art. Yeah. And it's, there, there isn't a lot of things that people do in life where they put themselves out for critique. To the, I mean, artwork is only seen well, by art lovers. Yeah. The general public needs, you know, I, I mean, p people tell you that, you know, uh, trust me. I mean, I got, I got a guy, a great guy. I won't, I won't use his name. He sends me a bottle of wine every year, every year. Beautiful bottle of red bourbon. You know, he told me last week, it tasted like you smoked a cigarette before you cooked my dinner. Oh. Yeah. But he sends me a bottle of wine every year. And that's not the only thing. He'll call me up those French fries weren't crispy on my to-go order. So you have to understand there's a yin and a yang to all this crazy shit that goes on. Um, so when I deal with purveyors, uh, the point, uh, b backing up to the point of the ego, and this, the, the comment isn't, isn't ego-driven, but it's just the truth. I had an oyster guy come in the other day. A young guy brought me oysters. They were beautiful. He left knowing more about oysters than he did before he came in the door. The first thing he did was he came in, he came in and he had, took an oyster out on the table. And he went to open it, and the end broke off of it. And he went to throw it in the garbage. I said, no, 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 no. Give me that oyster. And I took my oyster knife, which is a French oyster knife, and crack, 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 schling. And he just looked at me. And the oyster man just stared at me because I opened the oyster. He was going to throw in the garbage. We don't waste food. If I'm paying 65 or 75 cents an oyster, if you break the, the mantle off of the front of an oyster, we figured out how to not throw that oyster in the garbage. So he learned something that day. Then we talked about the quality of the animal, the depth of the shells, the method in which he raises the oysters, how much he tumbles them, all the things that I'm still, like I said, at my age, still incredibly enthusiastic about. And we have great conversations. So I learned some things from him. He learned some things from me. Um, it's a two-way street. I've heard all the bullshit. I mean, some of these guys, you know, they'll come in and they'll say, this, no, this is the best. This is this, this one. This is the best. So, you know, listen, most expensive is not always the best. When you go in, like I said, I'm – there are many kinds of beef out there, and I know the greatest beef in the world, and we won't have to use the names or mention the names. We know what people, what the revered products of the world are. <clears throat> Excuse me. I would uh, uh, give me a piece of locally raised grass-fed beef. I tell you, for example, when I was in Ireland the first time, I was at a, 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 a friend of John's at a, at a, at a – may I say an, an in-law, and mm -hmm. uh, we had – uh, out came some porterhouse steaks, and I'm, I'm st I can still see the thing. It was so beautiful. It was massive and bright red and beautiful Irish beef. And um, I don't. I think it may be the quality, the 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 naturalness, all the the purity, all those things because it's so commonplace. At least at the time, it was so commonplace. The quality of food there. Um, 
it was kind of overlooked by the host, but I was like, I'm st- I could still see it glowing. And the best part was they were, you know, you, you want to cook it? And I just put it in the pan, bang, bang, and pulled it out of the pan. And I, I got, man, I tell you, I got some looks, but uh, great piece <laughs> of meat. So you can give me, you can give me A5, you can give me all that fun stuff. That stuff's all cool. But some, you know, the stuff from right around the corner is still always my favorite. It doesn't always have to be the most expensive stuff. Um, simple foods uh, always do the trick. So when I see purveyors, a lot of times I guys, you know, I got a guy who comes in. I'm just going to use the Hogan's Valley because I, I can't use the name. God knows what will come back to haunt me. But he says, this cheese comes from the Hogan's Valley. This is Hogan's Valley cheese. Here's some Hogan's Valley strawberries. And I look at him. I said, well, where's the Hogan's Valley? And he said, <laughs> Well, there actually isn't a Hogan's Valley. It's just a marketing term we use. And I said, okay, well, you can leave me a, you can leave me a brochure. I think we're done. So, where's the Hogan's Valley? <laughs> well, it makes sense, doesn't it? You know what I mean? Doesn't yeah. it? Right? It's, it's right. a good question. It was, it's a proper question. Right. So. Actually, got me thinking about this. Uh, the, the, it, it was a very. I took a very long tangent to get to putting things on menus. The thing that got me there. The story I read was that there was this. There's this farmer. This farmer in Turkey who, during the winter, he puts virtual reality goggles on his dairy cattle because they get depressed during the winter. So he puts these virtual reality goggles on his dairy cattle, and he claims that they produce more milk. And the virtual the, – the VR is of an outdoor pasture. So the cow the cow is inside the, the barn and sticking his head through – through the rails to eat the food, but it, it's it's actually has virtual reality headsets on that is showing it that it's outside. It's outside in the in the pasture. It's a beautiful sunny day. Can we market that? How do we market that? That's amazing. Well, that's, that's it's simple. I think you just I think you just walk into a place, you tell that story, and then you look the person in the eye and go, "How can that not be good? How can that mm. not be good?" <laughs> There's no answer. Do you There's know? No yeah. Do you know how crispy? That beef is gonna be exactly. That's what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? This is what I'm, I mean, I believe that you just sold me that. I want to. I'm looking for. I'm googling Turkish virtually reality raised <laughs> Turkish beef right now. I'll send you. I'll send you the link. I'll send you the link over for sure. Uh, it's but, certainly and, and, not going to make it any worse. You know. <laughs> Yeah, it's certainly not going to I actually, I'll just discuss. It's actually, it's, it's funny. Sorry, to, I'll, I'll let you go in one second. But the actual picture, actually, I could put it on there. But is the farmer, it's actually two virtual reality goggles that are crisscrossed behind the cow's head. And there's one on each eye because it's so far apart. They're not even right. So there's actually two of them that are strapped to the cows. Now, now, that, now that's now that's where the money is right there, my friend. The light bulb goes on. Let's develop a virtual reality cow head size virtual reality goggles. That's what meta, you need to do. Meta. I mean, we're buying fake land next, baby. NFTs, and now we got cattle. We got cattle in the virtual area, man. It's amazing. Right. We're, bringing our, we're bringing our animals with us. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta buy a, an acre of land in the metaverse so you can keep all your cows. Yeah, go ahead, Draco. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there before. Um, so yeah, all this discussion has actually made me curious um, about when, like, I, I, when you're talking about all these uh, food providers, I imagine that for some, like, just to use an example again, for something like tomatoes, I'm sure there are literally hundreds of people who want to sell you uh, tomatoes, and. I would guess, uh, just from my own experience on different things, that um, like almost all of them are like um, complete, like just exactly the same. Um, 
do you if if do you care about kind of areas of uh i guess differentiation what makes different different uh tomato farms different or are there things where you're like you know what it's a it's a potato it's a tomato like what oh yeah absolutely it's a great question no it's a super question i think it's and it's it makes it's it's um well, here, here's basically how I look at things, and so just taking it away, I won't. I'm, I'll answer one part of the answer would be so commercially. If I'm a major corporation, major uh, corporate restaurant chain, I'm looking at this in a different way. Who can deliver me the same tomato every day, year round, at the best price all the time? I'm in contract with them. I sign contracts. I get this tomato, this size, this weight, this time of the day all year for that price contract that's no fun but it happens a lot it happens more and more every day uh i get to do the fun part of things you're right um the next part of the question the next part of the answer would be the guy with the really good tomatoes i'm always chasing because everybody wants them he can probably sell those on his farm stand for twice as much retail than i can buy them from, from him for wholesale so he's likely to sell out of all the really good ones that i want before I, they can even trickle down to me but most of the time when you are a good customer and you develop great relationships with the people that you want to purchase from, they make portions of things available to you. Um, so, yes, there are all kinds of varieties of tomatoes depending on what you're looking for. Um, a tomato isn't always a tomato. In general, yes, you're right. But if I'm looking for a Roma or, or you know, a purple Cherokee or I'm looking for uh, green zebras or heirloom cherry tomatoes – um, when you get this in depth to – I'm not just putting a red tomato on a burger at this point We're, with what I'm playing with. What, with what I'm doing for in the application, uh, there are certain d different varieties of tomatoes for every application. So then the last part of the answer would be what I do is is I tend to develop relationships with several people. I like to spread it around. If I'm buying tomatoes in season locally, I may buy them from four different people. I try to spread that around. Some guys I pick up. One guy will call me. I have one guy. He's very small. Beautiful food. Just beautiful food. He doesn't deliver. He's just a really nice guy. If He has all the cool things, though, the duck eggs and all kinds of cool shit. You know, just you go there. It's just it's like farm to table paradise. You know, it's it's insane. Right. So he'll call me and say, I have great tomatoes. He wants them like, yep, I'll be there at one o'clock. I get there at one o'clock. The tomatoes are in like an old, you know, you know, whatever cardboard box. And I bring these sick tomatoes to work that are ready to be served that night. Other guys are on a larger scale. They'll st they're still, you know, local and artisan farmers. He may deliver tomatoes. Those will be more and more on bulk stuff. Like if I'm making a chilled tomato soup and I need 40 pounds of tomatoes a week, I know I can rely on him. It's still a local product. I'm still sourcing from a local purveyor. I'm still doing the things that I should be doing as a chef. Uh, and, 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 and at the same time, I'm meeting what my criteria are, which is a lot of tomatoes guaranteed once a week. So it's a sprinkling of everything on my level. But back up to the corporate level, it's contract stuff. You're right. I mean, you get like Joe's Tomato Farm in California, and he's shipping every last tomato he grows to you in contract. Done deal. Yeah, it's a, a, a that's um. I guess that's why we need everybody, right? That's why that's what makes the guys that you go to so important is that so much of the of the process is going to the other guys more and more every day. You know, that that getting having those guys still making money enough to survive and move on to the next season is is, is a, a blessing for for anyone to have, be able to hold on to 
you know, the good things in life, you know what I mean? The, 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 the thing, the way things used to be and the way things should be now. You know, yeah, you can't let big, you can't let big business dictate what you serve. You can't let them dictate what mm-hmm. you serve in small restaurants. You know, because they'll yeah. always cut out the they'll always cut out the little guy for price. Every time, right. they don't give a shit about quality. I don't care what anybody says. Right. right. So so um, uh, moving now. Thank you for for that. That was awesome. That was uh, that was. I, I'm glad we got into that. That was that was a really actually a really interesting. Uh, I think we learned a lot, Jacko. I think you and I. Learned yeah, a lot definitely. Of from from that actually that was that was very cool. So let's move on to you now, Jacko, because the Raz, I don't know if you know this. You do I think you did recently hear this. But um I don't uh, first of all I don't know if you know this Raz, but our, our boy Jacko here has is actually um this isn't the only podcast. This isn't the only national or international podcast that our boy Jerko does. Our boy Jerko does a, uh, has is frequently a guest on on fantasy football uh, podcasts, and he actually writes a blog for for a uh, a fantasy football website that's behind the paywall. So you got to pay for his his knowledge. You got to pay for this kid's knowledge. Very and cool. So much so that uh, he him he just. Uh, Took home a, a huge win, a huge win in uh, uh, in fantasy football. Uh, just just last week, he uh, he brought it you home. You better not say I, how much for IRS purposes. No, no, we can't talk about how much. Let's just say it was a good amount, and it was it was it was big. It was, it was big we went on, on we went from uh, we went yeah. from wondering where we were going to get a house deposit to like, oh, we have a house deposit now. There you go. Oh, that's See? wonderful. So, that's wonderful. So, God bless you. Thank you. Congratulations, Jacob. Congratulations. Yeah. How, how did you do it? How did do, you know what they happen? call that? Don't it's called that's called the American dream, my friend, right there. By the way, yeah, what did that's you the American you dream. To do it. Fantasy football. You know what I mean? What did you do? What did you do? To, I mean, how many teams were in this? Uh, so in the tournament that I won, there was about four thousand five hundred teams, uh, and uh, so it, it it was it was like a tournament. So it's not really a league. Like there's lots of leagues within the tournaments. Right, right. You have to finish in the top two within your league, and then you go to a playoffs. That's a new league of uh, of twelve teams and the top three advance. And you have to so you have to be in the top two of your league, and then advance through three different playoffs, and um, and then you're in a final twelve. Right. And and uh, it's funny when you when you're when you're in your league. You, you never know, honestly. You never know, like, oh, hey, this could be a team that could win this much money. Um, but you hope, right? You hope. Like, you, you play in these, and, 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 and part of it part of it is uh, um, you think you have an advantage, but part of it also is, like, there's the dream of, hey, what if? And, um, and so we actually um, – we. We made it out of our league, but it wasn't like this was like some like sm- team that was smashing it. We finished number two, um, in 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 that league, but then in in the playoffs, and so uh, it's it's PPR, so point per reception, uh, in the in in the four weeks of the playoff and the final round, we actually scored about seven hundred and ninety five points. So like almost two hundred points a week, uh, which is crazy, absolutely crazy amount of points, and uh, and so I actually I co-drafted this with somebody who I've never met. Like, really? I don't I don't really know him. 
But we won a shit ton of money together. So you don't even you didn't even know the guy. I've never met him before. I don't know. Did you meet him through like a Excuse fantasy me. football like Tinder app or something? Like how, how did you meet him? <laughs> Tinder? Yeah, well, I swiped football. right on him. Yeah, yeah. You, you looked at each other's stats. You saw some data. <laughs> this kid collects data like a champion. I'm gonna swipe right on him. You know how did you? How did you? How did it happen? How did you find him? How did you? So, uh, um, the, well, I'm in, I'm in, a, I'm in a couple, I'm in about two, primarily two, uh, fantasy football discords. Um, and so you do, you go in, you, you talk about strategy, you show teams that you drafted, talk about what you could have done differently, what you did well. And it's also just this, that types of conversation. Um, and so I see this, uh, this uh, tournament FFPC, and uh, it's a hundred and twenty. The to enter a team is one hundred and twenty-five dollars, and anybody who knows me uh, knows that I see one hundred and twenty-five dollars. I don't. Oh, I don't. I don't like that. Um, and honestly, I wouldn't have minded doing that, but I wanted a couple of teams because, like, it's a, it's it's such a bi- it's a big tournament, so I didn't want to have just a one bullet or just two bullets. So I figured that uh, it'd be better if I found people to share it with, and um, I just put it out there. Hey, uh, I like it. Look at this tournament, but um, I prefer to share more teams with a few people rather than just draft a smaller amount on my own. And uh, he said, "Yeah, I'm interested." And uh, at that stage, I'm like, um, "Okay, so what if 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 we won?" Uh, like it's a bit weird that I don't know this guy, um, and like who would have to trust? And so I, I kind of like I kind of engineered it so that I was the one who put the money in, and so that he would have to trust me to to send him the money. If that makes sense. Yeah. And um, it's funny we went from like basically total str- complete strangers to like now like um. He actually like even after the tournament is over, he messages me almost every day. That's awesome. Where does he live? Where does he live? Uh, Joey's an edu. Yeah, he, uh, he he owns a uh, uh, an iPhone repair store in uh, Hilton Head. Ah, Joey I in Hilton Head. Yeah, gonna okay. go visit Joey's in yeah, we gotta go He's knock on his door. We can go. We can almost go knock on his door in a few minutes. Almost. I'm just letting you know. You can meet him halfway. Joey's and Eddie, if you're listening to this podcast, meet me. Halfway. I'm already. I'm already googling. I'm already googling the most expensive wine lists down there. So. <laughs> oh man, that's uh, well, look. Listen, they, I have a question. I, may, may I, yeah. I'm sorry. Man, yeah, I have no, a question Joe, about no. about about the fantasy leagues and and all this stuff. Was first, first of all, just getting back to you had mentioned you won a best ball tournament. Is this what we're referring to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This that that gotcha. that is this. Gotcha. Cool. Um, so my question would be off the subject, off the topic of that, because best best ball has another meaning to me, but it doesn't. It, it makes no difference. It's a, other sports, but so, so strategy. So we talked a little bit. Of, this is very interesting. Congratulations. Um, on this big win, that's unbelievable. Um, I, I can't even fathom, you know, the, the, the analytics that must go into that and the competition, the level of competition must be insane. So 
a little background on myself. I no longer am involved in fantasy sports, but for a very long time, I was obsessed with fantasy baseball. Um, I'm going talking about going back to when you got the news in the newspaper before the internet with fantasy baseball. When you looked at every day, you pulled the New York Times or the it was a post maybe in the box scores, and you saw what your guys did out of the box scores in the paper. So it was a much different thing. It's come a lot farther. But anyways, being a part of it, uh, being a part of a, a few really intense, and John remembers some of these guys, these keeper leagues that we were in. Um, we had minor league drafts. We had minor league keepers. Chico, we used to have, we, Chico, we used to we have a minor four, league we, draft. Yeah, we had four. We had four minor league keepers every year. It was it was an insane league, and it was really it was an in person draft. Everybody showed up to the snake draft. It was massive. Draft picks were traded. It was a it was a, it was it was as realistic and as intense and as cool. A bunch of really good guys who really enjoyed each other's company, but at the same time, it was like blood sport, you know. And um, you know, I was a part of this league for a long time. Learned a lot, and then uh, I, I got out of that league, and I was in a couple of leagues. I was lucky enough to win these leagues. And the question is this. I took some of my knowledge in these other leagues, loopholes, st- strategies, using loopholes in the way right. that scoring was, in, scoring was recorded and such. So here's a great example of this, and I'll just use myself first. I won a league a couple years ago against a bunch of Boston Red Sox fans. The league was based out of Boston. I was the only Yankee fan. It was fucking great, by the way. Pinstripe Dynasty was the name of the team. Ran the table <laughs> on these guys. But you know, the thing that I did was when I got made it to the playoffs, I wasn't a very high-ranked team, but I made it to the playoffs. And one of the things that I did was I didn't have great starting pitching, but I had tremendous setup guys, tremendous guys, vultures, guys who were coming in in tie games and stealing a lot of wins. I don't know if you know what a vulture is. You're a fantasy sports guy. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But a vulture in baseball is a guy that comes in. He's usually a, good enough to be a starter has a little bit more length than a, than a short reliever. He can face righties and lefties, and he's got the ability to, to throw a couple different pitches. So you bring him in maybe sixth or seventh inning in a game that's important in a 3-3 tie, and he's the guy that holds the game down until you gain the lead, and then he therefore will claim the win. It was a, it's a big and a very sneaky category. So you could start these guys. These middle relievers were able to be used as starters. So I ran a lot of vultures out there instead of my weaker starters against guys that had sick starts. So most guys are trying to get two ro- in, in the rotation, two starts a week out of each guy. So they get 10, maybe you got five starters, two starts a week. You're gonna, you want to get 10 starts. So, you, so you're racking up Ks, you're racking up innings pitched, you're racking up a lot of categories. What I did was I cut down my starts to a minimum, ran vultures, one whip, one ERA, stole some wins, lost two categories to win three. Another thing that I did was I drafted speed. A lot of these meatheads draft power. I draft speed. That's who, that's what I do. Run scored and speed. So I win categories like stolen bases when other guys don't. So do you ever defer to the lesser categories or what are strategies to use? Do you see I don't know if you see exactly my explanation. I hope I was clear enough with that, but what what No, I understand loophole? exactly what you're saying. How do you how do as you stay within the right? How do you stay within the rules and and and, and play play you know, you got to play the loopholes when you can. Sure, it was a little underhand, and these guys were like, well, we want you to run some more starters out there. I'm like, because these are the rules, and you're a Red Sox fan. You know, so flat before, out. Before you answer that question, before you answer that question, Jerko, the funniest part about this is one thing right now is that Jerko is actually saying to himself, I don't really have a clue because he's not a baseball guy, right? Jerko wouldn't be a baseball guy just to let you understand that. We've had this conversation, Jerko and I, so I don't think he'll mind me, but he's saying right now, I don't really know. 
what any of that terminology that you're talking about is. But, but, he's saying, but. I'm sorry, I'm I sorry, have, sorry. No, no, I thought no, it was no, a good no, question no, for a fantasy listen, guy. No, no, because he's, saying, because he's saying, but, I have a half a chubby right now just thinking about putting all those dots of data together to picking out a baseball team. <laughs> I can do this hey, in buddy. a sport that I don't know fucking anything about. If I can win, you just conquered football. Now he's like, can I conquer you want to partner with the Roz a little? You want to partner with the Roz a little fantasy baseball? We learn a lot together, man. Don't worry. Yeah, That'll be fun. Out. So I, I do so, know a little bit about baseball. So you don't have to apply it to baseball. Apply it to football, how you stay within those right. rules. With, with bend them without, with staying within them. What kind of, you know, what, what kind of strategies what, are there? Yeah, yeah. Go for it. What, what are the exploits? Um, well, uh, I guess one, one of the things, so just a, as a – the first off, I'll say that um, the way this fantasy football works today is that it's like it's not, a, it's not hey, you win the majority of the categories – it's more that you get a certain amount of points for each statistic that they rack up, rack up, and that it's who who uh, who gets the most points. So, for example, you get um, ten yards, you get a point. You get you catch a football, uh, you get a point, and and stuff like that. Um, so it, it it works a little bit differently, but one one example is that um, particularly in this tournament. That you you were able to start two running backs and two flex spots, and so that could be wide receiver, running back, tight end. And one thing that I did differently to what most of what most of the other teams were doing is, I tried to draft as many wide receivers as I could, and um, I tried to minimize how much I guess uh, uh, draft capital I spent on running backs because. Um, one of the things about running backs is that they're the, uh, at the start of the year, they're kind of like the easiest to, to project because um, in terms of like, you just have to figure out, A, how many times is this guy going to touch the ball? And I can give you a pretty good idea of how many points he's going to get. Because like, let's say, for example, some one guy get, gets like 3.8 yards per carry. Another guy gets 4.1 yards per carry. Like that, that difference doesn't really matter. Just who's going to get the more carries, who's going to get more carries inside the red zone, et cetera, et cetera. And that's what people believe is very easy to figure out. So people feel very confident in um, giving high projections to lots and lots of different running backs. But the problem is that um, there can only be one running back on the field at the same time. Right. And so pe- people think that, hey, um, trying to think of an example here, um, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, right? People, at the start of the season, okay, he's going to get this many carries, he's going to get this many touchdowns, and, and we just feel really good about projecting him high. But what happens year after year is that most of these guys don't get nearly as many carries, they don't get nearly as many uh, targets as people expected because it just gets divvied up in a different way or they get injured more or stuff like that. And um, if because of that, if you draft a lot of a high volume of running backs, what happens is that, okay, you're going to get hit on some of them, but you are also kind of like guaranteeing that um, a bunch of your roster spots are just going to be wasted because uh just by the nature of the position, 
Some because you're only starting one. Well, you can you can you can start up to four, and so that's why people will draft like six or eight, or well, yeah, sometimes six or eight, and they'll think, okay, well, I'll, I'll get my four there. But if you look at the wide receiver position, it's much harder to, to project because um, for because hey, you don't know exactly how many targets they're going to get, and then let's say some guy gets uh, six targets. He could catch only three of them for 45 yards and no touchdowns, and that's nothing to you. But the same guy can get six targets in the next game, catch six of them for 100 and something yards, two touchdowns, and he's off to the right. He gets a high point total. Um, so like it's much, it's much harder to uh, it's much harder to see in the projection sort of thing, but. When you look at all the points at the end of the season, wide receiver uh, as a position group always, almost always outscores running backs like massively. And it makes so, sense. And I'll tell you what, here's a great example in baseball. You can only start one second baseman, but you have three outfielders playing all in every game. Is that sort of the same kind of thing? You, can like, only really, um, you, yeah. you only have one catcher, yes. but you got three outfielders. Yes. Yeah. Yes. When you're drafting, when it comes to the draft, yeah, just doing both. I can tell you that even though the points, the way the the way points are scored and with different points of data is different. Um, yes, you would be talking about winning the most in baseball, Drico. You'd be talking about winning the most categories. Right. So, so you would be going head to head again. This is just in a, a traditional. Uh, Rotisserie, uh, you know, fantasy baseball league. You, each week, you would be going head to head with another team, and you would go against them for the whole week, and then they would take your stats. So whoever won, whoever had the, whichever team had the most home runs wins a point. Whichever team had the most RBIs wins a point. They're half a points for ties, and you know that's how. So it's different in that regard, but the same, yes, the same thing would apply, Ross, because uh, you're talking about hitting categories. And you're talking about pitching categories, you know what I mean? Like, and you have a fielding category as well. But when you're putting in all, when you when you, when now you you have three outfielders to draft and to to try to win categories, and not so much have to worry about. There's only two second basemen that are going to win anything. Let okay, so the question then would be: Is there greater depth at the wide receiver position in the draft than there is at the running back position? Oh, oh yeah, well, absolutely, a hundred percent. See, then the cor- the correlation is the same there then, because there's a million outfielders, quality outfielders. There's only yes. a few good second, three good second basemen in the whole league that really yes. produce. Oh, I, and a lot of times, what it comes down to is the the guy, the utility, the utility guy that can play any of those outfield positions, who ends up playing every week because because he he he. he might not start, might not be seen as that stud starter, but he's going to get a lot of at bats, a lot right. of chances to, to do something good, to win categories. He's going to get a lot of stuff because he may not, and he may not be thought of as the stud. He just may be right. the point stud, you know. The, 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 right. And so yeah, and Drico's actually written articles about about this, you know, about like who to draft at the bottom of your draft board and in football because of. You know, for what reasons? Uh, you know, what did they do in college and stuff? And so it is. It's very. Uh, it, the 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 positions are very close together. And Jico, I have a question for you. So, did you draft this team, or did Joey Zanetti, who runs has the iPhone store, repair store in Hilton, that do it? Um, I mean, 
I'd say I like this is a bit of a cop out. Did you, did you say to him, I think we should do this next, and this is the reasons, and you threw all your data at him, and he was like, yeah, it's a good choice. Did you did you, did you you do what I think you did? About 15 picks out of 18. That's about what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you convince him, did you convince him that, 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 that he was making the pick when you were actually making it? You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about, Jekyll. Yeah, well, you ha- I mean, you, you talk about it together, but like – he definitely felt uh, more confident saying, hey, yeah, I actually, I, I think that you're right about this. Let's yeah. just do that. So, uh, well, that's what I mean. There, there are definitely is, points where. So, so what I'm saying is even though he paid 50-50 in, into this league, I mean, does he deserve 50% of the victory? Or, you know what I mean? Does he deserve, you know. Hey, listen, he says he deserves 50% of the victory for saying yes. If you asked and he said yes, he's in 50%. He just knew he hooked, <laughs> oh, in, he hooked into a big fish. He hooked into a big <laughs> fish. He, who's, who's really – I mean, you're, you're a genius. You're a genius, but he got to be a little have a little genius going on there too. So, you know. He, hey, listen, I, I, I put it out there. Hey, I'm looking to draft for people, and he was the only one who said yes. So – he does. <laughs> if, if, if you're using that logic, he deserves he deserves credit for being the guy who said yes, I will draft with you, and yes, we can do that. Hey, listen. Next time, next time you go in on your fantasy baseball, on your fantasy football league. Next time you go in the fantasy football league, if nobody says yes, you call the Ross. I will be your partner. You can have all eighteen picks. I will sit right back and enjoy that ride and give you all the credit. I didn't get an invite either. No, I didn't. You know, you think. You think a, a Goldie's Goldie's pretty pissed off in our chat there. Too. <laughs> you know, he's you got a few pissed off people that you went to uh, to fantasy football Tinder site to get your partner instead of coming to one of us. You know, what I mean? that's, 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 right, oh, that's very know, good. Man. That's I really good. Well, he's already annoyed because I won. Though. Like <laughs> looking for a partner, uh, like, swipe right on Gridlock. <laughs> listen, man, you uh, uh, you. Did an awesome job, and we're we're proud of you, bro. Appreciate the uh, the the you know it's paying off, man. You're doing work in fantasy football land, and it's doing work, man. Like it's paying off. Look at what's going it on. Sure you're is. You're, you're the you're, you're the Rotoviz Man of the Year for Christ's sake. Do they have a Man of the Year? Uh, 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 maybe a uh, Contributor of the Year award or something. If they do, let me know because I'm, I'm paying for a month and I'm putting your name up there. <laughs> I mean, actually, with the victory you had, you should be buying all of us, uh, you know, some Rotoviz, like, you know, a few months, you know, at least, for Christ's sakes. You know what I mean? Even if we're not going to play fantasy football. <laughs> That's funny. Congratulations, Drico. Uh, before we um, before we get the hell out of here, um, I want to talk about a couple things. One is for uh, the NFL, Drick, speaking of fantasy and stuff, you know, it's uh, – there are a ton of head coaches, coaching jobs out there. Um, what, what, uh, who's, who's appealing the most? I mean, I guess the Raiders job got to, has to be the most appealing job out there, right? Well, they're the ones who made the playoffs. So, yeah, yeah, that that totally makes sense to me. And the the other one that could be kind of like sneaky is uh, the Denver Broncos, because. Uh, They've got like such good receivers. They've got really good running backs. They uh, they have the good O line. Then they have a really good defense. They just they uh, they don't have a quarterback. Yeah. So if you got a quarter, you got a head good head coach in there with a good quarterback, instantly uh, 
it's like what, what Peyton Manning did. Instantly, probably one of the best teams in the NFL. Are they? Are, I mean, are they have. I mean, essentially, are they are they up for sale now too? Yeah, I think they. Um, I think that they had to. Um, they had to win a court case or something to be allowed to sell the team. And, yeah, uh, because they, the original. Because the did they win that court case? Yeah, they just won it, and so now uh, now they're going to be able to sell it. Because the because it, what the the Bowen family or whatever was supposed to get first right of refusal or something if they wanted to sell it or something right it wasn't there a court case about that yeah so I, I I honestly I haven't looked into it too much but, the, but um, that's a yeah no there's an issue how about the you know how about your Dolphins man you're a big Dolphins fan you think that's a job that uh, again there I mean are they just a quarterback away too um well they just drafted a quarterback um I think that uh um. Unfortunately, the Dolphins will probably be uh, one of the more unappealing uh, jobs because the guy they the guy they just sacked and they just fired him is like as a coach, just purely as a coach, he's a brilliant coach. But um, the players all loved him. But everybody, it's everybody who worked with him on his coaching staff and the GM and anybody who who was not a player who worked with him. Absolutely hated him. Like <laughs> in three years, he had four offensive uh, coordinators. He had four offensive line coaches. He went through different defensive coordinators, and um, and oh, and that's like a recently departed politician. Go on, go on. Sorry about that. Um, and I guess the reason he got fired was uh, because uh, he just kept pissing people off. Uh, mm. and and then there's the then there's this kind of like um thing in the media where like oh well he just had back to back winning seasons uh and is a good coach if you're gonna fire this guy who the hell is gonna work for uh, the Dolphins as a as the head coach yeah yeah it'll be interesting it'll be an interesting choice to uh to see what they can get what what are they gonna get you know what I mean that's the, the, the Bears. I mean, obviously, that's not maybe not necessarily the most appealing job, but it's the head coach of the fucking Chicago Bears. The yeah, these were great Vikings. teams. These were the iconic teams when we were kids. The New York Giants, like yeah, iconic teams. Be, yeah, you know, you know, those were the jobs. The coaches, yeah, there was that's a that's a, a fucking that's a job right there. You know, you'd think that they they'd be coming out of the you, you could get the choice of then yeah, obviously you have the Jacksonville Jaguars that is just just a toxic a joke. Nobody wants that job. Nobody's gonna they're not gonna get anybody at that job. But you know, those other jobs you would think that oh, man, they, they gotta be able to pick up some you know something good's gotta come out of that. You feel bad for I feel bad for the Giants because living in New York as long even though I'm a Cowboys fan, living in New York as long as I lived in New York, you always wanted to see one one of those two teams at least being competitive. You know, the the fact is you're a Jet fan or you're a Giant fan, but if you're not like if you don't root for one or the other, it was always good to see that at least one of those two teams was competing for something. And, hey, and well the one way, team in New York, which is Buffalo, they're good. 
Well, yeah, but that's that's, that's I mean, that was that, a joke. From, from a New Yorker from New York. I mean, that's 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 a Canadian team. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, it might as well, <laughs> it might as well be it might as well be uh, another another state. It, it's yeah, true though, but, you know, man. I tell you, I always forget it. about the you always forget about that. Remember all those years? I'm not a football guy. I'm not going to claim to be, but remember they were they were five Super Bowls. All those years they were the five Super Bowls. Still not really considered one of those teams. You know what I mean? It's pretty interesting. It's, it was uh, right. Uh, you know, yeah, you're right. It is. You're right. It is a team. We take that out of it. But uh, but I, I'm talking about the Jets and the Giants. I mean, those two, they're at the same stadium. For Christ's sake, they do like like they, they just beat that. Did they beat that court case, Jico, that they were trying to get sued? There was like six billion dollars or something they were trying to sue the the Giants and Jets for, weren't they? Or some some huge amount of of number. I don't remember. Uh... No, it was, I, I, something, I, it was something like a six million dollar suit that they were filing against both teams for for false advertising, basically, because neither one of them is in New York. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, I remember not now. <laughs> there was some you and I both read an article about it or something, but you know, you know, there's a lot of jobs open, so we got to keep our eyes open now. When these jobs keep filling, we'll uh, we'll, we'll sit down and talk about the NFL coaching coaching carousel because I, that's from my point. I always like talking about the coaches. You know, I, that's what I think. I could care less about the teams. I like talking I just, about the coaches and what the coaches do to the teams. But that uh, that Dolphin situations with uh, Brian Flores, like just as like as having coached so many years, like what do you think of a situation like that where somebody is just a brilliant coach, but just a pure, uh, just an asshole to everyone else? Like you know, it sounds like he's a you know they have the coaches coach and you have a players coach. It's just like a chef chef or a cook chef. And he's probably was not a good administrator or demanded too much of his coaching staff. Did he get the results? Was he fired because of a lack of results, or was he what was he fired for? What was he removed for? An outsider's view. What, what, why why was he fired? Why well, he was literally fired because uh, they didn't they didn't. So he he finished nine and eight this season, right? Uh, and they felt that like okay, like how, how do we how do we finish like twelve and six or whatever, uh, um, and. 12 and 6 or so 17 game season uh 12 and 5 how do they finish 12 and 5 how how do they move up from there and if this guy is just going to piss off every other coach and he can't coach offense his offenses weren't good he can't coach offense so he's going to need someone else who's really good and if he's just going to like like repel all those people uh we're stuck here. Like, the, yeah, <coughs> it's I, not I viable. I understand I what you mean. Yeah, that's a coach's coach or a player's coach, and the players might have loved him, but he couldn't. He wasn't an administrator, and that, yeah, that's where, it. Where that's was Flores? Two sides where was Flores that. before before Miami? Where was Flores? Sorry, where was he at before he went to Miami? Oh, he's in. He's another New England Patriots former defensive coordinator. Yeah, you know, see, this is this is what this is those guys because you know. They learn under Belichick, but Belichick don't teach them personal you know, skills. Well, yeah, yeah, he doesn't. Like, it's almost like they have to leave, think that they're bigger than the system. They leave. This is what happens to all of them. They leave. Yeah. They suck, and then they all come back, and then they're like, "I'm sorry, I didn't." Bill, I want to learn from you. You know what I mean? Right. Like, Belichick always gave them enough rope to hang themselves. You know, that's that's what. Which is kind of ironic because when you put when you make Bill Belichick a product of the Bill Parcells school of football he would have been well i mean technically he was part of the that bill parcells tree because he coached one year under parcells i think it was um 
uh, one or two years maybe. But um, uh, no, I think it's it, well. It's a testament to you know Parcells really, and and whether you love him or hate him, um, he, he he was amazing like, because of how good those teams were. Uh, his coordinators were picked off left, right, and center. You know, starting right. with uh, with. Uh, what's his name? He went to Notre Dame. There, Charlie, uh, Charlie Weiss Wentz. and Weiss, yeah, Char- yeah, Charlie Weiss and uh, who was the Romeo Crennel, who both left. Crennel did okay at Cleveland for a little while, but he was not a good head coach. Charlie no, Weiss he stunk. Got that dream job at Notre Dame and stunk up the fucking show at Notre Dame. Like, okay, then it was Josh. What's his name? And th- then it became then down the line. It's Patricia and it's these guys. And he what? He, but they're so good at understanding what's going on on the field as far as their jobs are concerned, because that's, that's what Belichick does. You got to be good at your fucking job. And these guys, he's a delegator. Are hungry. Yeah. They're young and hungry. And Belichick says, that's fine. It better work. You know what yeah, I mean? I'm sure he, he, I'm sure he like talks to them about it and designs it and schemes it and all that stuff he does. Like, but he's like, I'm going to give you the best players possible. You're going to put this together. I'm going to trust you because that's your job. And if not, you know, I'm nobody else going to know about it and I'm going to do your job, but that's what he does. And he grew them up and they left. And then they're like, Oh shit, we don't know how to talk to anybody. You know what I mean? We've been designing this shit and putting these things together. And he's right. All I've been doing is talking to players. I haven't been dealing with a front office and drafts and whose players do I get? And whose players do they get? I haven't been. De- so these, these guys suck. And they get that always, that always in, in any business, it tra- doesn't always translate like yeah. that. There are great Flores chefs that don't are great leaders, and yeah, you know, I know Flores what I, 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 I think if he gets a little wisdom, he can learn. I think more right. than Patricia, I think more than more than a lot of those guys. He's the most effect. promising of that. Batch. I do, I think so, Drico. I really, really do. I could be wrong about that, but you know, I, I do. I think he's the most promising of that. That group. I mean, at some stage, you got to at least have a coordinator that's like, I'm not going to fall for the same fucking mistakes that the last five guys in my position did. Right. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> you think that a. guys in my position all thought that they were head coaches before they were head coaches. Do you think it's, it, it's possible that, like, Belichick is so good at the CEO part of the head coach's job that, like, he provides like the the best possible structure to for everybody to thrive in to such a high degree that once you once you remove them he's like the safety blanket in that department that they don't know how to live without yeah, yeah I, I think, it, and it doesn't even again it, it doesn't have to be about football it just it just it's right. just management yeah. structure period, right exactly. you know absolutely exactly. and guys he, he no. attracts he attracts guys because he attracts the people that are that succeed in those positions because you want to work for them and then once you right. have your market, you're marketable. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's just, it's, it really is management 101. I don't know what, like I said about football again, but there's, you know, it, it, right. that's definitely clear in any management sort of structure for sure. Yeah. For, yeah, we, we definitely need to, uh, uh, in a few weeks revisit this and, uh, and talk about who's actually getting hired and see, see where, these teams are going with with their hirings and what's going on, and see see if we can figure out what what they're looking for. But I I'd definitely be up for for us all sitting down and talking about it. And before we we sign off and get out of here because that's what we do, um, I have to give a huge shout out 
because finally, after you know, and this is a, it's a very quiet celebration for me. But finally, after a lot of years of waiting in between, good 2008 Phillies. That was that was the last time that I could uh, I could celebrate a championship. I, as you both probably know, um, so when I was a kid. A uh, very young kid. My during the summers, my dad would put me on an airplane and fly me down to visit my grandmother, Ruth, still alive. God bless you. Um, she lived in Cobb County, Mableton, Cobb County, Georgia. And because I used to spend my summers down there, I became the big. And let don't get me wrong, I was uh, eight, nine, ten years old. So nineteen, uh, you know, I was just coming off of basically Herschel Walker, like. The, the, like the, the last time this team was good, I became a Georgia Bulldogs fan, and Georgia finally won, wins themselves another national championship. So fucking shout out to the Bulldogs and Kirby Smart, man! I, I'm so happy for those guys. That's such a good program there. Just following the program and from Mark Rick, from Vince Dooley, and, and you know, it's just the. Just such a good program, so I just have mad props for, for those guys. But uh, shout out to the Bulldogs for winning the national championship. I, I'm so so impressed. You know, with the uh, quarterback named Stetson. I think the quarterback is named Stetson. Come on now, Doctor Stetson. We'll see you now. Stetson. That's the name of a hat for Christ's sake, ain't it? You know, uh, for the quarter and just uh, uh, just uh, totally impressed. Did you guys watch the game at all? Unfortunately, I did not, but it was big news, and it was very interesting to see those 20 that they put up in the fourth quarter against a team like Alabama. And anytime I'm, I'm anytime I see Knicks, I mean, I'm not against, I'm not, I, I don't dislike Alabama, but I like to see the big guy get knocked off. I'm sorry, I always have. So, you know, that's always kind of neat to, to, to. We always root for the underdog. Yeah, to upset, to upset the underdog, exactly. Steven has only gotten beaten at Alabama by two of his former assistant coaches. And that both of those losses were this year when Jumbo Fisher beat him at Texas A&M and Kirby Smart beat him at Georgia. He he's like 25 and 2 against any one of his former <laughs> former coordinators or coaches that went on to become head coaches in college. That's how good Nick Saban is. You know what I mean? That's how good Nick Saban is talking about Coaches and their assistants, but and I but I did hear that too that Saban uh, uh, gave mad mad props out to to Kirby Smart and was uh, okay, baby. And, and totally totally impressed with the way the guy the guy coached the game. And again, look, Alabama lost its has both of its star wide receivers were out of the game, but because of that, I mean Georgia put man did a lot of man to man coverage on those wide receivers. Now they lost two wide receivers as we we're talking about fantasy points. Put a lot of coverage on the man to man on those wide receivers and put some pressure on the quarterback. And that's how they that's how they just weighed them down to win that game. So I was totally impressed. Draco, did you watch the game? I didn't watch the game. Unbelievable <laughs> how you don't watch you'd watch the Super Bowl, wouldn't you? I probably will watch the Super Bowl. This is what I'm talking about, people. This is what I'm talking about. Like, like the national, the college football is so much better than the pros, man. Uh, I mean, if you're, you're, if you're in that part of the country, if you're in that part of the you're country, there is no, money. there is no professional sports. It's that that's their blood in that part of the country. It's um, you know what I mean? It's, it's just, just a, this. That's that's all there is down there. So, guys, I I I, I got to cut this a little short for myself. I'm getting the dinner is ready. Key over here. We're not um, cutting this short. We're out of here. We're out of here right now, Ross. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure. Drico, I look forward. Yeah, look forward to meeting you. 
Jerko, thanks Absolutely. so much Johnny, for coming thanks, on the show. Love you guys. Yeah, talk to you soon, Ross. Jerko, thank you again so much. For thanks, thanks show. for having me on. Uh, it was a great show. This was a yeah, great really enjoyed I it. I laughed a lot. I really enjoyed it. I hope, uh, hope the people out there do as well. This is Roman. Peace. I am. Uh, I am here. Hit the lotto. Let's. T- Let's turn that music up a little bit. Hope everybody had a good time out there. I really enjoyed doing this. 30 some episodes. Let's keep going. Thanks a million. Hit the lotto, hit the lotto